Hi everyone, Nick Meacham back with you for the next episode of Stream Time. In this week's episode, we're digging into the world of volleyball, who are fresh off their $100 million investment from CVC Capital, one of sport's leading investors. Volleyball is a sport that's close to my heart as I sit on the board of British Volleyball, so I was very keen to dig into the wider strategy here of the International Volleyball Federation and their commercial arm, Volleyball World. Now, the most interesting part of the CVC investment is this development of a commercial arm to the Federation and naturally following their moves and investments digitally. So we thought it would be great to speak with their head of digital, Mota El-Bawab, about the moves they've been making since the deal. We also spend some time discussing their content and media funnel and how to look at connecting, engaging, and monetizing their fan base, whether that be through their own and operated channels or through third-party ones. Now, it's a really interesting listen as you'll get to learn more about where investors are focused on when providing capital to a sports property and to take a look at a sport that has a different pathway to drive value from its content than the top tier sports properties who primarily focus on just selling rights to the highest bidder. For those wondering, we should be back um, to our traditional format with co-host Chris Stone from next week. But that's it for now. From here, I'll hand things over to me talking all things volleyball world with Mota. Hope you enjoy. Well, I'm here and joined with the head of digital for Volleyball World, Moto. Moto, good to see you again. Um, I'm guessing at this time of the year, is it busy for you steering into the summer months where the beach season kicks in or uh, are you guys, well, you guys are pretty much all busy all year long these days, I'm sure with all the tours and everything else you've got going on. Yeah, on a normal year, we have uh, <laughs> we have uh, a few months to to kick uh, to kick things off. But uh, ever since the the, the acquisition of uh, of, uh, of CVC and the partnership between CVC and FIVB, uh, things have changed uh, quite a lot because of, we acquired new leagues. Uh, so uh, really, we haven't stopped since uh, since January. So we're already in operations mode since since January to really kick off a very, very busy year of 60, I would like to say 68 events in total. So uh, wow. throughout the year, not including the league. So it should be, it should be a fun year for us. Yeah, well, let's dig into that in a second. But I always, I thought I'd start a bit of a curveball with you. And one thing we always hear about the in, in the industry is the scale of sports. And depending on what country you're in, obviously certain sports have certain um, positioning and volleyball is one of those where if you live in Brazil or Italy, it's one of the top sports. You live in the UK, like I'm based and it's, it's in a different status level. So how big is volleyball actually? How do you guys measure where you guys sit in comparison to the other sports you're kind of, I guess, competing for with regards to attention? Yeah. So we've done, we've done quite a bit of research in the past few years on uh, sort of what's this what's the um, how many people are interested in volleyball and beach volleyball and uh, the the magic number that uh, that that we that we came up with and and, and arrived to uh, from all the research is uh, 800 million pounds now where does that put us is um, at the fourth in the fourth position but the 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 thing that how we're looking at it in, in volleyball world is that 800 million fans is not necessarily, you know, it's basically everyone and anyone. 
what we're trying to look at is, okay, how can we, who can we reach? And actually, when you start looking at who you can reach because of internet accessibility or they have a social media account or they can access a, a venue near them or they are they have a TV, uh, that number goes down a little bit. But overall, I think we uh, were, were pretty established as at number four, um, I believe, after after football and basketball and uh, another sports that I, that I don't remember. But uh, we'll, we'll discuss those on another time. <laughs> No worries. Um, I'm curious. I hear this when I talk to a lot of um, people in similar positions, particularly on the digital side with regards to fans and the difficult difficulties you always have about quant- trying to quantify and everyone's trying to measure themselves against each other. But I'm curious at how do you guys look at what you qualify as like a tier of fan? You know, some sports properties I've I've talked to, they kind of look at it as like there's about five or six different levels of a fan um, some of them less than that, but do you guys have a similar sort of methodology to use? Yeah, obviously with our direct-to-consumer strategy, we're trying to understand, we're trying to bring uh, fans from one end of a spectrum to the other. So when the, the word funnel has been, has been is being used quite a lot in, the, in these past couple of years, and our funnel basically is we're trying to look at who's interested in volleyball and can, we can reach uh, online. And then the second one is who we can connect with, but we don't necessarily know at a data-specific level. Uh, the second tier is someone who's who we have an email or has a profile within our ecosystem. And then the third one is someone who's transacting with us, whether it's a ticketing, uh, volleyball TV subscription, uh, bought any merchandising. So. Those are the sort of four level, but then you can go into a lot of other segmentations, whether it's by country, by preference of discipline, because we do volleyball, beach volleyball. Uh, we look at as well, someone who likes to watch versus someone who wants to just play volleyball. Uh, so these are uh, the, the different segmentations. But if we if we take it from the top to the, 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 the bottom of the, of the funnel, it's basically the general volleyball audience all the way to those who are transacting with us. And uh, that's a good point there. And you raised about um, in your ecosystem. And I'm just curious of what you guys define as your ecosystem because uh, being a part of an international federation, um, it's quite it's a different a different situation to say what a traditional professional sports team or even league has as, as its ecosystem. So what is part of your ecosystem in, as you define it? So our ecosystem is every single touch point that we've built uh, and that we own and, and control. So. Um, our ecosystem is defined by all our web app, uh, volleyball TV, merchandising and ticketing properties. But at the same time as well, uh, our events are part of our ecosystem. So the FIVB events, uh, the, the World Championships, uh, the Club World Championships, the Beach Pro Tour, etc. But now with the new with the new strategy of us just acquiring uh, the the league, the Italian league rights, um, that's also part of our ecosystem. It's another touch point for fans. To, to connect with us and for us to bring them under this. Because the whole, um, the whole vision behind uh, the partnership between CBC and, and, and FIVB is to really drive growth and innovation around volleyball around the world, but also to create the most integrated ecosystem for volleyball around the world. So bringing not just players and events, but also bring organizations and, and uh, partners within that. 
Um, and I guess that's that's a nice segue into the CVC relationship. Uh, you're you're quite a bit into it now. Um, big investment of of capital into volleyball for those that uh, didn't follow it. FIVB, the International Volleyball Federation, um, was invested into by CVC, who amongst other sports have uh, invested heavily into rugby and previously were owners of F1. So have great credibility behind them. And so when they make a move into a sport, people notice. Um, And with that, there's obviously an expectation with the capital that they're bringing in. uh, And the, I guess the direction of this was to, to develop a commercial uh, or an entity that was uh, split off um, from FIVB to really drive the professionalization and commercialization of all the, the assets the FIVB was working with all the events, the live sports, product i guess was the main crux of that right so where are you at with that now and where has that money been invested into i'm guessing a lot of it is in digital as you're alluding to so one of the there was a lot of reasons why why the the partnership happened Uh, one is because of the potential of volleyball worldwide on being being one of the top uh top most followed sports worldwide uh the the overall engagement of the fans but one of the critical ones that uh, directly impacted uh, me is is the, the the digital. So that the whole partnership came as well about to give a jolt and to give sort of a, a kick to to all our digital efforts to to bring them up to uh, a whole new level. So the, the one of the big, biggest changes is now we were we're changing. Completely the way we we, we serve the content, uh, really powered by by data, focusing a lot on um, our OTT offerings and really focusing on what we can offer to the fans, not just to uh, convert them uh, and and make transaction, but also to grow um, our internal database, but also in, to grow the engagement with the fans. So these are certain things that we've that we've noticed since since March uh, last year when we made when we made the big shift. But at the same time, you can see it as well in the way we're operating events. So one of the the, the ways we're we're approaching a lot of these events is how can we bring them to new locations? How can we uh, target new audiences in order to to grow the, the this? Because the the issue or sometimes the challenge that a lot of the, the sports federations face is sometimes you're talking to the same audience across multiple channels. And here the investment is helping us to um, basically just put um, and uh, target new audiences and, and reach new audiences for us to grow the business overall. Mm-hmm. And a huge, a huge project when you've got a global sports base. And, and if for those that aren't, um, who are listening who aren't familiar with sort of the international federation world um, it's complex uh, and the the challenges with digital with a lot of federations is varied um, so it's good when you've got someone like cvc coming in who no doubt gets the opportunity and um, there's i guess i'm guessing a real momentum with that move it's not something that you as someone in, in your role i'm imagining particularly before that happened there's there's an appetite, but you have to sort of work on how you get internal buy-in for trans, driving digital transformation. Whereas something like this, it's a bit different. One of the one of the biggest challenges when it comes to digital transformation is is uh, internal uh, change management. Uh, and with the with the undertaking with CBC and the FIVB, this has been accelerated 
um, tremendously. So it's not uh, it's no longer about trying to 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 get buy-in. Is is basically does it fit in the plan? Does it serve the purpose? Does it serve the vision? Does it serve the the, the ultimate business goals? And if yes, if it answers these questions, then we just go ahead and 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 do it. So it, there's a lot more. Um, accelerated decision making, but it's also there's a lot more pressure that comes with it, which is also uh, uh, which is also great because it's it's something that you you constantly try to think of different ways to find efficiencies and improve on what you can do for the fans, but also for our internal teams. Yeah, I can imagine that dynamic has changed quite a lot since uh, since that relationship's come into place. But look, let's talk a bit more about um, about I guess volleyball world and, and some of the changes that have been made digitally. You mentioned a little bit about um, the investment into uh, sort of enabling your OTT offering. Just talk us through what you've actually done there. So, for between to give you sort of a few numbers, so uh, between. 2019 obviously 2020 we didn't have any events so uh, between it doesn't between, count it doesn't it count doesn't 2020 count, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh 2021 uh if we compare it to 2019 which we also had a few events uh, because of the change in the way we approach the ott and the way we focused a lot on our ott offering and try to optimize with data because we use basically 2020 to not just park the car and 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 do we actually structured ourselves to to be able to capture data collect uh, collect uh, fan fan engagement from from different sources and the results were were extremely uh, promising because one of the key things that we've uh, that we managed to accomplish is a 400% increase on the revenues and the subscribers uh, compared to 20, 2019 even though we had fewer events in 2021 but i guess as well it's not only about the way we marketed and the way we did our acquisition and the way we positioned volleyball TV and and all the changes that we've done, but it's also the fans are re- were ready by then to to watch because of COVID, mm. spending more time on OTT, so they're used to more on subscription models. So that's one of the biggest uh, things that we that we've done. In addition to that, we also uh, developed what we call um, our our ecosystem. So. Um, a few a few months back, we've we've shared that the announcement that we worked with Delta Tray on building sort of this this uh, this uh, ecosystem, and the vision behind it is to create sort of a, a frictionless experience for for the fans, where they can subscribe, they can watch, they can follow, they can find where to play, they can we can integrate leagues into the into this. So right now, even you can follow the Italian league on volleyball TV. And also get uh, second screen experience on it on the app and on the website. So this is something that is part of our journey and our roadmap to 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 constantly build. And that's sort of the the biggest change that we've that we've made in 2021. And we have quite a lot of things coming up for for 2022, considering the the amount of events that we have. So is that volleyball TV? Is that that is that that product, or is it something you talked about an ecosystem you're creating or a digital? So what is that exactly? It's it's uh, the ecosystem is basically a multitude of products that mm-hmm. are connected to one single source of data, but also that is connected to uh, one single framework. So for us, if you go on volleyball TV and if you go on our website on volleyballworld.com. Uh, uh, or if you go on the VNL, which is one of our events, the Volleyball Nations League, uh, you're 
part of our, that ecosystem. So we're able to track and 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 understand your 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 behavior in there, and also optimize the way we give you the experience there. And that's the biggest change because before it was different verticals, different products, and we weren't connecting those. So we've used 2021 to to make sure that everything is frictionless, whatever wherever you go. Mm, interesting. And one of the things uh, I, I want to dig into is the wider broadcast social strategy. OTT obviously plays a key role at the end of the end of the audience funnel, but also you have social media's role. You have uh, the more typical broadcast channels that do exist in in certain markets, depending on um, volleyball's position there. Um, and I think from what I've seen, social social media and YouTube and so forth is a really key uh, platform for you and this audience. Um, sort of audience engagement just talk us through do you have a, a sort of a defined social media approach in in what you're using social and youtube for with regards to that fan engagement piece so it's, it's part of our our channel strategy and mapping so i'll go back to the funnel again so the different audiences will be um connecting with us and with different touch points so uh, if you're talking about a general sports and volleyball fan they won't necessarily right away transact with us. So the idea is for us to move them step-by-step step into, into the funnel for them to end up paying for a subscription or just leaving an email uh, because that would be sort of the ultimate goal, right? So the first, um, so the, the way what social media and our web properties play a role in is awareness and, and, and reach. Uh, so basically, we're we're using those to 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 talk about us, to tell people, tell the world about volleyball world and the events and uh, the Italian leagues and how can what amazing athletes we have, and then try with different tactics to, you know, to tell them, oh, but this there's this amazing uh, thing happening on volleyball TV, care to care to, to check it out. So it's about building these user journeys. And that's where uh, social media and even uh, the, the broadcast uh, deals that we do and the and our YouTube strategy is not necessarily to um, to just broadcast, but also to bring people down down the funnel. But obviously, over, overall, our our strategy is to give the fans what they want, where they want it. So if they if the fans doesn't move through the funnel, then that that is also fine because we have. Uh, as well ambitions into into growing the audiences and the subscriber base and uh, on on Facebook and on YouTube and on TikTok and on Twitter. So that serves different purposes as well. So Mota, you've taken us through a bit there on regards to the social media side and how you use it um, to engage audiences and build awareness. I'm just curious. We're starting to see, um, and it's a pretty consistent challenge in the industry is. Building awareness and audience is great, there, but what can you do with it? And the the ability to you know, move fans down that that funnel, as you talked about, uh, has a lot of can have a lot of wastage in, in sort of the the work that you've got to do to get people more and more engaged with the sport. Uh, and one of the concepts we're hearing more and more now is, okay, well, can we start making um, uh, building on that fan relationship um, at the the social media level and the development of e commerce opportunities uh, at that level. Um, I'm just curious, is that an area you have spent much time looking at now instead of, I guess, instead of trying to take them to new and owned and operated platforms, trying to build more opportunity to to build that relationship just on those platforms and potentially commercialize them through 
whatever uh, e-commerce options are coming through the different social media platforms today. Yeah, absolutely. So the way the way we're approaching the, our social media strategy and, and even our channel strategy is through really developing, you know, the, these these funnels. And then, like you said, there's a lot of uh, missed opportunities or let's say wastage, like like you like you mentioned it to to move people down the funnel. But one of the great things that that now you know the likes of Facebook or or Twitter or even TikTok are offering is the different ways for you to to engage the fans and also monetize uh, your activities within that. So it is a good way for you to to recoup that investment in a different format, uh, and then but also generate uh, eyeballs and, and awareness and move people down the funnel to, to to convert them in the end. So one of the the great things that uh, that that uh, that was launched and now it's picking up quite a lot uh, here here in the in the, in the industry is those uh, social e-commerce uh, platforms that are there. So a lot of the clubs and a lot of the 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 national federations are using them to sell merchandising and T-shirts and jerseys for 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 their fans using the content. So it's another way to repurpose the content that you're publishing on, on social media, because a few years back, you would hear some of the top level managers that will say, yeah, we're, but we're spending so much time, money on, on Facebook to create all this content and we're not getting, getting anything in return. So now it's offering these different raw opportunities to recoup uh, at least a portion of that investment in order to, to refunnel it somewhere else. Mm. And one of the things we're starting to see more across the industry is um, the sports bodies working closer and closer with the athletes, as we've seen um, on social, that there's a definitive drive with fandom and fan bases to follow people over teams and, and, and leagues and competitions and so forth. Um, where are you guys at with that relationship? Because I'm imagining um, you know, you're starting at not a ground zero with this, but you're starting at different stages in your digital strategy. Uh, how Closely, are you working with the athletes on them building a fan a fan relationship and potentially helping them build into your own ecosystem as well? We're still, like you said, we're still at the very, very early stage, but we understand very, very clearly that um, without the athletes, it's it's uh, it's our efforts are not amplified. The, the, it's very important to 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 work alongside the athletes. They are extremely key to everything that we that we're doing. Because uh, at the end of the day, uh, people come and, and, and watch the athlete uh, to perform, and uh, that's something that we're that we're working on uh, internally, but also in collaboration with them to uh, to support them uh, in different ways. So to to give them guidance on how to uh, promote themselves and and use social media channels and do and do their online rework their online presence in order for them to get better exposure, but also work with them on how do you want to be portrayed and how do you want to work on this? And we've seen some of this uh, rise of the, of the, of the athletes focused content when in the, the best in class where it was done with the drive to survive, for instance, uh, Netflix uh, uh, documentary where they really focus on every single athlete and a lot of uh, the athletes that came out of there, they're now the, a random person in the street can know who they are. And that's the work that needs to be done on in volleyball, which is really hone in and, and really give a, a real focus on the athletes and work with them for them to shine. 
So are you, I'm curious, there's, there's a, a bunch of different tech companies now coming into place that offer, I guess, tools to manage assets um, that you're creating around those events. Are, are you in a place where you're using those sorts of tools now um, and to giving the athletes access to that? Uh, is that something you guys, you guys are working on at the moment? Yeah, so we're we're the the past the past year we've we've leveraged uh, just WSC for instance to provide access to the to the athletes for them to you know to to use their content um, on their channel. So we have quite a lot of the athletes that have their own YouTube channel, for instance, or their own TikTok channel that they want to uh, create how to play volleyball or what are the drills that you can do or uh, what are the strategies that you can do so this is one type of content and now we're looking at the at the uh, certain platforms that can leverage and support them on the day-to-day basis because one of the things that we've noticed is that you know the athletes do not necessarily want to answer emails they prefer to be contacted on whatsapp or if there's an app for that so a uh, platform like uh, like uh, Greenfly or or mm-hmm. Socially or all of those all of those platforms are uh, extremely key for for the for the strategy and we're evaluating those at the at the at the moment to to be able to you know uh, find the best uh, fitting one. But then it's not in the end the technology is just an enabler. Uh, mm. right? It's not it's about how we're going to use them and how we can onboard the athletes to be able to use them on a regular basis. Yeah, like you mentioned before about digital transformation, you need the people part is is just as important and probably even more complicated if you've got stakeholders uh, and athletes spread all across the world to get everyone on the same page. I'm sure there'll be an appetite, but it's not an easy easy process, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm just curious. So one of the things you mentioned a, a couple of times now, and I did want to dig into, is the the Italian league um, partnership. So could you just tell uh, our listeners uh, and viewers what? exactly is that relationship because i think in terms of the framework of what you've done at least from um, a sports properties perspective it's a fairly unique relationship particularly in the international federation world so the 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 volleyball world um in september 2021 uh, acquired the international and domestic rights media rights for the uh, the men's league and the women's league uh, in italy so um, the the aim for this is for the aim is it's a it's a partnerships that we're we're focusing on to accelerate the development of the of these of these leagues because they have an extremely powerful product. Uh, some of the best athletes are participating in in this, and our our job is to 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 showcase this to the world. Um, in addition to that, we're we. What we've done with them is that we secured the production of all the matches uh, and they and commentating and and delivering them in English and in Italian and sometimes even in in Japanese for the Japanese fans because there's a few Japanese players that are participating and sometimes in Portuguese because there's a lot of Brazilian players that are there. So the idea is to globalize this league because they they have really high quality uh, players, and it is one of the one of the, the best leagues, uh, both men and women, in there. From in terms of the number of uh, Olympians that they have and national team participants that they have, so that's one of the the key reasons that uh, that we've done. And the 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 whole vision of CVC and and FIVB and creating volleyball world is to create this ecosystem. So the the Italian league is is, is the first one, but there's other um, other potential projects and other leagues that we're that we're looking into to uh, to bring on board. 
So we've seen different deals like this in in other sports properties. I'm curious uh, with regards to uh, acquiring uh, the the rights in, on, on on at scale or on mass, and then um, building out that relationship from there. I'm just wondering uh, what is happening with then the selling of those media rights in other markets, because obviously the Italian league uh, is one of the biggest uh, leagues in uh, world volleyball, or in, particularly for the indoor version of the game. So what happens there? Are you guys then? taking that on internally and then going to market as well for them. Exactly. Exactly. So our job is not only to 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 acquire them and and, and placing them on volleyball TV, but it's also part of the business uh, objective is to commercialize these uh, these uh, these rights. So uh, it is for our uh, one of our focus to 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 um, to bring them to other broadcasters and, and to sell them domestically. Uh, and but one of the key focus for us uh, is is to use that as a making the calendar of volleyball 365 days a year because uh, initially we had just the summer which is the national team season but now we can literally we can really say that we're 365 days a year where we can offer on volleyball tv a subscription uh, that can that could give you all year round access to volleyball whenever you want and that's that's one of, one of the the key uh drivers for 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 us yeah Interesting. Um, so you talked about it being a 365, uh, well, at least that's the strategy is to build out a 365 calendar of great volleyball content. Um, and you have the indoor game, you have the beach uh, game in particular. Um, they have in different markets have different appeal. Um, I'm just wondering, you've also got um, the international competition as well, where you have the, the nations competing against each other um, for the indoor game itself. Do you? How do you work on that from a calendar perspective? Are you because you're able to build this relationship, let's say, with the Italian league? Are you trying to coordinate with them to make sure that there's more, I guess, uh, airspace or breathing room for the leagues uh, to compete and not conflict with anything you're doing at a at an international level? Absolutely. So this is sort of some of the the, the role of the, the mostly of the, the FIVB, but now with uh, with the support of of, uh, of volleyball worlds management, we're we're able to at least recommend um, improvements to the calendar. Because uh, let's face it, not just the the sporting calendar is is extremely busy throughout the year, uh, but it's also the, the indoor calendar is extremely busy throughout the year, and uh, it is a way for us to find. The best format but these changes take a little bit of time uh, for us to to make these changes but it is um, part of our our strategic um, vision and 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 trying to pillars as well as to improve the this this calendar and make it sort of a um, a one harmonious year for not just from the athletes well-being but also from an offering perspective as well because we're talking about a lot of about programming and offering things to fan and overall, it needs to make sense. It needs to not have a lot of conflicts because in the end, if uh, if things clash, that means that we're going to be missing on certain athletes that, and then and then at the end, one product will be uh, cannibalizing another. So it is a it is a long process to to make this change because there's a lot of pre-established media deals and marketing deals, but it is something that we're working very, very closely with the FIPB and the the uh, the uh, the national leagues to be able to improve. Interesting, and the so that's a lot to do with the indoor version of the game. Um, 
talking about the beach side of it, so the two-on-two version, beach volleyball, you guys launched a, a new tour format uh, in October last year um, and moving, I suppose, away from a model that was probably a little bit akin to what you see in tennis maybe with the different sort of star version of the, of the tournaments, the different, the different tiers or levels, uh, with a completely new format. Um, talk us through what exactly that format is and, and why make that move. So the 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 change met was uh, was was basically in order for us to 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 allow more locations to to be able to host and to allow uh, to improve overall the product of the of the uh, and to have a, a specific focus on on beach volleyball. Uh, the current um, the current competition format for for beach volleyball is to make it sort of a unique sporting entertainment uh, where we can really take it anywhere and, and move it around uh, like a like a circus uh, to, to every single... I wonder why that would be. For those that don't know, their CEO of Volleyball World is, ex, is ex-Cirque du Soleil. So, uh, yeah, if, if you didn't know that, that that's might be why the, the Circus initiative comes up. Yeah, so the, the, the Beach Pro Tour right now is uh, split into three different levels. We have the Elite 16, which has the it's which is the highest level of the event on the tour, uh, where we have really the best beach volleyball athletes to compete uh, to to become the champions of the tour, and that is defined by the the world ranking. Uh, the second level is the challenge, uh, where the tournament that feeds into the Elite 16. So there's sort of a relegation uh, and 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 uh, going up model where uh, around 24 teams can participate, men and women, and they fight for ranking points and the and the prize money. And then the last one, which is the future, um, which is a tournament that it allows the cities to develop the sport in their countries and build the capabilities for promising and up-and-coming stars, basically. So that's sort of the the the, the whole uh, the idea is to the the initial focus of of the beach, the initial idea behind the change in the format is to give it a little bit more focus uh, and also tell a better story to the fans for them to be able to to follow uh, the, the competition so the the it sounds like when i hear that that the the other result or the other goal of that will be to um build the stars the the, the particularly in that top tier format um i imagine you you talked about this relegation bit so i'm curious is that happening between the top two tiers regularly through the season or is that an annual thing no no it's bit, it's on a regular basis uh it's a it's an it's a dynamic ranking uh so so we'll have a lot of changes so it gives a little bit as well more more excitement to the to the fans to be able to follow and tune in uh it gives a little bit as well uh in certain tournaments more meaning to to certain matches so that's that's where we're, we try to 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 focus on and at the same time as well with this new rebranding of the beach pro tour we were able to bring it to more location more than ever before uh we're able to offer uh, a bigger prize money uh for the for the athletes and we're able to go to locations that we've never uh been before like the, the maldives uh like the the uh, south africa and cape town uh like uh, rio de janeiro we haven't been back since uh since uh, since the 2016 olympics so these are the these are one of the key things that we were able to do just in 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 the change in the format and and the rebranding of the property. 
Could you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I'm curious, you know, we've seen it before. So obviously, um, for those that don't know, so I'm based in London. I also sit on actually the British Volleyball Board, but that, this conversation will be happening anyway because it's really interesting. But the one of the things we've heard is, you know, I heard, I remember 2012 London was, oh, this is great. Uh, the FIVB said this is great. But then getting all the stakeholders together to actually put the show on and, and bring it together is really difficult. So I'm just really curious when you talk about this makes it easier, what what are some of the characteristics, I suppose, that uh, are you, that you're doing to make it easier for, a, say, a host destination to say, yep, we're on board? Uh, it's the, the, the way it's, it's going to be produced. So the way the way it's going to be produced for uh, if we take the example of an elite 16, for instance, uh, because of this, the, the, the number of, com- of teams that are participating, we're able to to make it more attractive because you know less teams means you know from an event organizer to be perfectly frank means less cost and less days of competition uh, but we're able as well to 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 offer a standardized competition format and to be able to as well have time to promote it way in advance because you already know uh, the teams that are going to be participating in the next in the next rounds or at least the top teams in the next round which was a little bit of a of a of a, of a problem that we faced uh, before so that's one of the key things that made that made the big difference this year which is sort of this change in the format and the change within each competition how how we how we do it it attracted new uh, organizers uh, and attracted you know um, a more efficient way to to organize the event. Make, makes sense. I'm curious, you talked about the ecosystem bit earlier um, and the connectivity of the fans that are going to those, those, those matches and tournaments and events to the volleyball world ecosystem. So are you, um, is, is the organizers, the cities themselves, and you're giving them the, like the, the magic, the formula to implement, which is quite consistent in other sports is to go, here's the standardized approach, um, execute this, and within that, you guys are also getting insight into who's attending uh, as part of that relationship. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so we're so one of the the the, the properties that we that are that we're working with um, on the digital space with an with an organizers um, with a normal organizer is would be sort of we control the the, the broadcast and, and volleyball TV uh, offering, and they they would be taking care of local localizing the ticket sales, for instance. Uh, but we do have certain activations that we do on events, whether it's with you know beacon technology or with uh, using the mobile app that is uh, that we use it for the entertainment. As you may know, where in beach volleyball, there's a lot of music, there's a lot of fan activities, engagement that we do, and that uh, actually we've tested this technology in the Club World Championships in December, where we use the mobile app to do the light show for instance and use the mobile app to engage the fans that are on site to to do trivia games and and other things like that so we were able to as well connect our ecosystem to the people that are on site not necessarily via the ticketing but for those who just want to engage with the with with the uh, with us and we've seen a, a huge uplift because we're able to understand what what makes them tick and uh, it allowed us to also to improve our marketing. So you'll be seeing a lot of that in, in the Beach Pro Tour and, and on the Volleyball Nations League as well. 
Good stuff. Well, I think it's going to be quite interesting. I think there's something like 30 events at each level, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in so, so there's still plenty of events going on in, in, in different markets for people to to get their teeth into. Um, now, moving the conversation on to the next stages and phases of the evolution of digital, uh, the digital strategy for volleyball world. Um, a lot of talk now about, we talked about e-commerce and of course, things like blockchain-based technologies continue to be hotly discussed. And they can range obviously from the buzzwords of NFTs and metaverse and, and everything else in between there, but also things like ticketing, uh, which actually has the most practical and obvious um, use case. I'm just curious, where are you guys at with understanding uh, and looking at actually rolling out blockchain-based blockchain technologies into what you guys do so we're we're at the um, sort of let's say we're beyond the exploring phase we're at now at the road mapping uh, of uh, phase four for, for any blockchain technology um compared to other to other properties we we've taken let's say the time to to, to think about it and to 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 implement it not because we we don't see the value in it it's because we it's a the way at least my vision from 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 blockchain is that it is something that can connect the real um physical world with the digital world and it needed to be something that it's just beyond just minting something or putting something behind uh making some, making an artwork or a highlight as an nft it's actually a little bit beyond that it's something that you can give to certain fans for exclusivity perspective so one of the I think one of the best cases that we are, that I've seen is the Australian Open with uh, the the tennis balls that they've done. It's an incredible way to to bring in physical and and digital and metaverse. So they combined all three and they had a really good winning formula there. Uh, but for us, it's it's really we would like to to bridge um, the the NFT world and the metaverse and and all this blockchain uh, technologies with a physical uh, experience. So um, we're exploring ticketing in NFT, uh, volleyball TV and NFT uh, engagement on-site and, and NFTs, and, but making it sort of an exclusive, uh, something exclusive for the fans to, 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 if they have it, that means they have an additional access uh, to something else and not just, you know, uh, a digital uh, property that they own for forever. Yeah, the Australian Open example, I think um, we talked about it a few episodes back, but is, is I think, by far the best version of uh, NFT in sports because of what you just described, that blending of the physical and virtual aspects of it, linking with what's happening on the court in real time, I suppose, and, and what you can get as a, as a collectible off the back of it. I would talk about it, but I can't remember all the details off the top of my head, but it is definitely worth looking at if you're interested in that space. Um, that's for sure. Um, I can't just, we're almost out of time motor, but I just wanted to ask you one question with regards to, um, the OTT side of things. Uh, obviously this podcast has a lot to do with the streaming side and, uh, you guys have invested a lot of time and resource into it. You're incorporating a lot more content into it. One of the things I'm always curious to ask about is the sort of monetization strategy about that, or just the content strategy generally, because, um, couple of years ago, everyone was looking at the Netflix model. And that is the model that is everyone is aspiring to, because all you just need the people to sign up and subscribe, and then it just make you make lots of money. That's the that's the model that everyone thought was the, the, the magic formula. It turns out it's not that easy. 
Um, so I'm curious just in terms of with your content and how you guys are driving monetization at the moment, is it just a simple subscription product at the moment? Are there different layers of either advertising integration, um, sponsored content, other ways you're, you're generating further revenue on the platform to make it worthwhile? Or is that again, still an early stage thing you're evolving? No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a freemium model. So what we, what we are currently offering is a monthly and a yearly pass, but you also have a free version where you can access, you know, um, original content and archived content that we have that is, uh, behind a data wall and, and you're, you get sort of advertisements, either a pre-roll, mid-roll and post-roll. Uh, we're working closely with, uh, with our commercial team to also look into different uh, ways to, to to sponsor it. Our our ecosystem is actually pretty flexible in in order to offer different content categories or different content spaces for 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 sponsors in a localized way or even a geolocalized way. Uh, so our model right now is is subscription and advertisement uh, and and free. So that that's that's the current the current way that we're we're trying to to offer to to the different fans. In addition to to the fact that uh, you know we're, we're we try to cater different price points to the different regions obviously sure yeah it makes sense and one final question um the <laughs> i'm based in the uk volleyball status in this country is not as it is in lots of other markets and i'm just curious so where you guys are, are focused on in terms of development of the sport in terms of its growth in popularity I won't be offended if the UK is in the top of the priority list, but I'm just curious, are you guys prioritizing the markets that are already powerhouses of volleyball to keep maximizing that relationship? Or are you spending a lot of time looking at where there's a sort of a blank canvas to start with and see where you can go from there? So the current, the current uh, Beach Pro Tour model offers this, uh, the futures, for instance, offer the, these, these opportunities for the, the markets that are not super let's say um advanced or have a big fan base uh in in in, uh, in, in volleyball or beach volleyball uh, but our approach as well you know beyond what the the fibb uh, development team is doing with, uh, with all the development programs with the national federations that they have is creating just really awesome properties uh, and bring them to new locations uh so so that the, this is a way that we we think that it's going to really develop the sport and bringing new fans from new countries into into back to back to the sport uh, overall. Yeah, I think that makes plenty of sense. But look, that's all we've got time for, Mota. Thank you very much for joining us and giving us a little bit of insight into Volleyball World's digital ecosystem and strategy. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me.